I'm really excited about this series. I was talking to, to Carrie one night this week, and I made the comment that I really feel like this is the message that I feel like God has put on my heart. This is the message that I need to live. This is why I was called to be a pastor, uh, is to help train and equip people to live this way, to, to live in, in a way that's uh, missional. And so that's different from the church where I grew up. It's different from a lot of the churches that I've been at. Uh, and so I'm not assuming that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so some of this may be really basic for some of you. Some of, for some of you, this could be really ground-shaking. It just depends on what conversations you've been uh, a part of so far and, and where you've read in Scripture and what you've done to study it. So thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for digging in. Uh, know that questions are good at any time. Having been a high school teacher, I am comfortable with uh, hands. If you want to raise a hand, if you just want to shout out a question, I do okay with that too. There will also be time for you to interact at the end as I ask you some questions to think about it. Um, so there you go. So here, we're starting part one. Um, these next, tonight and then the next three weeks, we're looking at the missionary nature of God. Tonight, specifically, God's sending nature. So we start with the idea that God is sending God. From Genesis to Revelation, God sends. It starts in Genesis 12, when, when God chooses Abraham. Actually, then his name was Abram, hadn't been changed to Abraham yet. But God chooses this one man uh, living in present-day um, Iraq, maybe Iran, chooses him from there and says, I am going to bless the entire world through you, so go. And he sends him from the land where his father had been, where he had grown up, and he says, go, go to the land that I am showing you. Go so that... I can bless you and so that you can be a blessing. So that starts out in Genesis 12, where God says to Abram, go and I will bless you. And in the very last chapter of the Bible, we see uh, in Genesis, uh, Revelation 22, God sends an angel to do his bidding. And in every book between Genesis and Revelation, there is the idea that God sends. So one of the things that we need to know is God is ascending God. When we get to the New Testament, we see that not only does God send Abraham and his descendants, he also sends prophets to correct. But when we get into the New Testament, we see John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, sent his one and only son, I know, not, not too much of a stretch, but he, he gave, um, not that he could send people to hell, but that the world could be uh, saved through him. So God sends the son, the father sends the son. We learn later on in the, in the gospels that the father and son together send the Holy Spirit. So it's not just uh, a Father God thing. It's a whole trinity involved in this sending where the Father and Son send the Holy Spirit. At the end of, of the Gospels, Jesus says, it's good that I go away 
Because when I do, the Father will send you the gift, the promised Holy Spirit. And then we read about the Holy Spirit's coming in uh, Acts chapter 2 that we just talked about last week in the men's, or two weeks ago in the men's Bible study. So that's where we'll be picking up on Thursday. Uh, All right. And then lastly, whoa, see, it clicked twice. All right, there we go. Jesus sends the church into the world as his witnesses, as witnesses of what Jesus has done, what the Father has done, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So key to and core to God's nature is that of ascending God. All throughout Scripture, God has sent. His chosen people, He sent them. When the chosen people weren't doing what they were supposed to do, God sent prophets to correct. When the prophets weren't enough, and when the time was right, God sent His only Son so that we could see who God is. And then the Father and Son together send the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission in the world. So you might ask, so what is this mission? There's a Latin phrase. If you don't know any Latin, you might know some when you leave. Missio Dei. Say that after me. Missio Dei. Missio Dei. That is the mission of God or... The sending of God. Uh, the, the word mission comes, uh, that we have in English comes from its Latin root, missio. Um, has the same meaning. Uh, something sent, something given. Uh, we have the word missive that we don't use very much. Uh, like a letter can be called a missive. We have missiles. Submissive. Submissive, where you put yourself underneath something. Mm-hmm. Or you send someone else. There you go. Um, so the Missio Dei is this idea of God's plan, God's activity, God's mission. And I love that it has this, um, this two sides to it, where it's God's mission. It's that thing that he wants to accomplish, but it's also the way that God accomplishes it. It is through the sending the sending of prophets, the sending of His Son, the sending of the church empowered by the sent Holy Spirit. So it's not only that God is ascending God and God has a plan and God has a mission. It's how God accomplishes that. That's the, so there's so much tied up in those two Latin words, missio Dei. In order to understand this well, we need to know what God's motive is. Why would God be ascending God? Why would he uproot Abram and his wife Sarai from their home in Ur and tell them to go to a land that they have not seen? Why would God send his son? Well, for God so loved the world. God's motive for sending, God's motive for his mission is love. The love of God for all of creation. And we see in in Revelation at the end of the Bible where there's not just going to be a new earth. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God is going to restore all of creation. So we as Jesus followers would recognize that the world is hurting and broken. And that includes the people as well as creation. We know that things are happening that aren't supposed to be happening. Um... And God loves the world and he's working to restore it. 
So that's his motive. That's why he would send. And the goal, the kingdom. One of the phrases used most often in the Gospels on the lips of Jesus is the kingdom of God. That phrase, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what people were supposed to say when Jesus was coming to town. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. If you were taught like I was when I was about this big, the Lord's Prayer, one of the phrases in it, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of God's mission. That's part of the goal, to have things existing here on the world, on the earth, as they are in heaven. And that's part of God's mission. That's, that's the goal, to have people in right relationships with each other, as well as right relationships with God. That's the goal. That's why God sent. Whom does God send? We had the the passage from Isaiah 6, one of my favorite passages uh, in the Old Testament, where Isaiah has this encounter. I don't know if it's a a dream where he was dreaming, if it was a a vision, something that he saw while he was aware of what he was seeing. Um, it's, it's, It's amazing. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. So he's sitting there in this thing that kind of looks like the Lincoln Memorial. So God sitting on, on the big throne. And the train of his robe, literally the hem of his garment, filled the entire temple. So th- this would have been uh, the, the first temple, the Solomon's temple, amazingly beautiful, huge, almost as big as a football field, and the hem of God's robe filled the temple. And, and Isaiah is, is moved. He's aware of his own faults. He's aware of the faults of those people around him and says, okay, God, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a person of filthy lips, the way that NLT translates it. I live among people who have filthy lips. And when I'm face to face with you, I, I, I'm aware that I'm not perfect. And I live in an imperfect world. So the angel, one of the, the seraphim, which means the, the burning ones, um, one of the angels, the seraphim, takes a, a burning coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips. This would have been the altar or the, the burning fire where they did the, the sacrifices. So uh, part of the sacrificial system uh, where sins were atoned for, angel takes that, touches his lips, and he says, see, your sin has been atoned for. You have been made clean. And then Isaiah overhears this comment. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I love there the use of both the singular and the plural. That's actually the way it is in in Hebrew. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is God talking to himself. This is God having a discussion within the Trinity. Who should I send? 
and who will go for us to, to bring this, this message that, yes, you, you are a people who have filthy lips and, and dirty minds and your practices are, are an abomination. Who will go? But the sin isn't a barrier. We can make sin clean. Who will go for us? And I love it that Isaiah, after seeing this vision of who God is, having this experience of God's holiness, God's otherness, God's amazing power, Isaiah steps forward and says, here I am, send me. (laughs) How many of you would have said, there he is, (laughs) send him, (laughs) right? But I think... When we have this sort of encounter with God, when we see God for who He is, when we see God's heart, recognizing that He is ascending God, there's something inside of me, at least, that says, I want to do that. I want to join God in what God is already doing. I love the people around me. I hurt when they hurt. I want them to have this relationship with God where they can know who they really are. They can know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't have to think that they're an accident. They don't have to wonder. So whom does God send? God sends his chosen people. He sends his prophets like Isaiah. You could also answer it by saying, God sends Jesus, like we already talked about. And and God the Father and Jesus send the Spirit. Father, the Son, the Spirit, send the church. This week on the the Table's Facebook page, I asked the question, what do you think of when you think of the word missionary? Missionary comes from the same Latin root, missio, send. Missionary is a sent one. What do you think of when you think of the word missionary? So I'll ask you the same question. When you hear the term missionary, what do you think of? Far away country, little village, teaching about Jesus, maybe building a church. Tiki church. Tiki church. Yeah, right on. Good. What What else do you think of when you think of missionary? I have this memory of because um, we had a missionary family who was the husband, the dad was grew up with my mother, and so at one point they stayed in my grandma's old house. But anyway, I have this memory of going downstairs and seeing this huge big blowtorch that he brought home from Columbia with him. Say that word again, blowtorch. Columbia. Oh. Yeah. Blow, 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 blow gun? Okay. Oh, awesome. But this big blowtorch. The flamethrower! Here's the Holy Spirit. That's right. But but the blow the, the blow dart gun. Awesome. Okay. So, so one of the things that comes to mind is foreign, different practices, things. Well, I also think of like because I think at Edgewater Falls maybe when it was Urban Rescue we did one just in Minneapolis. Okay. 
Michigan City. In our own neighborhood. Okay. Which was weird. We were like, that's being a missionary? Because right. when we were younger, so we just always thought it was going over to another country. Good. Yeah, so there, there is that. Can you do a missions project in Minneapolis? Does that count? Yeah, I better. I did it. Right on. Anything else come to mind that you want to share when you hear the term missionary? Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, um, go ahead, Mr. Grant. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of times we think like poor countries or whatever, um, but I know with crew that works on our campus, they go to, their spring day, they go to Panama City Beach or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's, I feel like that's targeting bad over people. Okay. Bringing the word of God to people who don't know God. That's a pretty good. Or Western, the Western kind of Western law. In the old days, they used to go over there and try to Westernize everybody, change the culture, bring the word and change their culture. Yeah, and I, I think most of that was done with the best of intentions. Yeah. Where if I'm not aware of it, I bring the family that I grew up into the family that Carrie and I create. If, if I'm not aware of that stuff, all of a sudden I say things and out of my mouth I hear my father speak. <laughs> what? Do I, do I really even Is that how I want to be? Is that, or that's just, you know, and so that happens with, with our experience of church too. We all have an understanding of, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done because of where we've been. And so when we go to share that, we only can share, with, share what we have. And so sometimes... Uh, missionaries have not done a good job uh, because they import more culture than is necessary. They, uh, our vision of Jesus was so wrapped up in culture. You know, if you, if you look at the back, in the back of the picture of Jesus, pretty white. And why? Be, because we're white. Yeah, when whatever church you go to, People portray Jesus in a way that looks like them. And that's, that's very natural because one of the things that we'll talk about next week when we're focusing not so much on God the Father and, and the, the whole Trinity, we're going to look at Jesus, is the incarnation. Jesus takes on flesh. He looks like a particular people so that he can be universal to all people. So that's, yeah, that's Jesus wrapped in some... Swedish culture there. Um, And it's a beautiful thing. One of the definitions that I remember from when I was in high school and there was a a summer camp and we had a missionary speaker, the emphasis was was on missions and and doing that. And there there was this phrase that I, I can't believe that I still remember, but I do. A missionary is not just someone who crosses the seas. A missionary is someone who sees the cross and goes to serve Jesus wherever they are. I know it wasn't mine, but you know it, it, it works. Because the, the first response that, that I got on the Facebook feed, Africa. What do you think of when you, when you, when you think of missionary? Africa. And it's fantastic that we 
send and we sent and we still send missionaries to Africa. But you also need to know that the United States of America is I not I want to say it's the third how to say this correctly. It's the it's the country that receives the third most missionaries in the world. The United States is. And if the United the, the population of the United States who doesn't know Jesus is if all of those were a country it would be the third largest unreached people country in the globe. The United States. So now those people that we used to send missionaries to, <laughs> they're saying we got to send them to the United States. We got to send some missionaries back. Um, so can you be a missionary in Minneapolis? Is that by ratio or by number? That's by number. Pure population. That's that's just I I, I I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do to fact check that. Uh, I'll get you my source. Uh, well, I, I, I appreciate that, that, that question, and sometimes I just take things and repeat them. And I did hear once that 83.5% of all statistics are made up on the spot. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Exactly. All right. One of my goals for this series is to talk a little bit less, so that we have time to interact and engage. Um, I could, because I could talk for 12 weeks on this topic that I just did in 20. Um, so I also want you to think, and each week I will not only have questions for you to think about and interact with here, I will give you an assignment if you choose to accept it. I was a teacher, I, I feel like I can do that. Mission and how about that? That's crazy. I'm not sure doing that on purpose. <laughs> All right. So, do you have any thoughts about the missionary nature of God? Has that stirred up anything in you? We'll start there first. Does this sound like the God that you know? Does it sound familiar? Does it sound foreign? I think sometimes for a lot of Part. Say some more about that, what the hard part. God wants you to uh, know him and trust him and love him, and a lot of people come to that you know, point in their life, they're like, sweet, I love you, Lord, la, la. and then the Lord says, no, I need you to go out and get people, and they're like, what? <laughs> um, you want me to what? Yeah. Can't I just come back next Sunday and hear some more? You know, it's the hard part, and I'm, I'm part of that crowd. That's mm-hmm. the tough part. I'm glad that you said that, um, because I want to help us reframe that, where, yes, it can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. And I, I want us to change how we see church. I want us to change how we even well, maybe, church. Maybe hard is not the right word. It's uncomfortable. I, I would say both. Yeah, it, it is uncomfortable. It, it's, it's uncomfortable. It causes me to be uncomfortable. It, it causes me to give and I'm not always comfortable giving. And it causes me to move and sometimes I want to sit. Yeah. I, I think there's something there. I would agree. 
something that's really easy to say. So and so's been called to be missionary. So and so's been called to do outreach. That's not my gift. And I think that's one of those things that it's not a gift. I mean, we all have gifts, and some of us are more gifted, but I don't think that we were given the option that God just said, so and so, you know, I'll have some that are gifted to be missionaries. The rest of you can just. But I've been doing a lot of thinking about where where is my passion and what makes me ache because I feel like that's where maybe God wants me to be. Yep. I, I think one of the worst things that can ever happen for most of us Christians is to meet a missionary who's really called. You know, to, to meet a person that some of us know named Galen Johnson. To, to, to meet Galen and hear his stories about Africa and all the, the years, decades that he and his wife have spent there. I think, <laughs> I'm not Galen. I don't know that I could do what, what he does. And for a lot of us, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Because then I think, whew, I'm not like Galen. I don't have to go to Africa. <laughs> and God might say, well, actually, you do have to go to Africa. Or God might say, I would love for you to go to Africa. Or he might say, no, but you get to stay. And so o- over the summer, I want us to think about just that. So, so if it's not Africa, where might it be? If it's not working to create translations in languages that don't have their own Bible, like Galen is doing now, what would it be for you? Because we have the whole... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit of where we'll be. Because we have the Holy Spirit living and residing in us as followers of Jesus, there is part of that missionary DNA already inside of us. So what we need to do is figure out who we are, how would God send us, where would God send us, and then make sure that we're taking some people along with us so it doesn't feel quite so scary, doesn't feel quite so alone. So that's, that's where we're going. Um, how about the, the second question? How has God called and sent you as a missionary to participate in this mission? Do you know yet? Do you sense a sending call to participate in any of the activities mentioned specifically in Isaiah 61? That's, that's the one where Jesus, for the first time when he got up to preach, he actually quoted this passage and said, I'm here. This was talking about me. I have been called... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. He has sent me to to give a crown of beauty for ashes, blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. When you hear any of those, do you think, oh, I want to do that? Some of you might say yes, but if I say yes out loud, he'll make me do it. Uh, okay. I want to plant that thought now and trust that the Holy Spirit will work on that as we spend time here because this is what's God, what God is doing. And I, I refuse to do church any other way. It cannot be just us 
sitting here enjoying a good meal, having a good conversation, singing some songs that we like, and that's it. It doesn't have to be trying to change someone else's culture to just look exactly like ours. It'll look different than every generation before us. It'll look different because of who we are and how God has made us. So, here's your missional homework if you want to do it. And I believe this is on on the back of of the bulletin uh, if you don't want to write all this down. So, identify at least two people groups or geographical locations in your city or neighborhood to which God is looking to send someone. Now, people group. That could be a lot of different things. You could could do it ethnographically, you know, where it could just be... um, Laotian. It could be just the, the Hmong. It could be coffee roasters. It could be people in financial institutions. It could be people in the food service. It could be students. It could be swimmers. They need Jesus too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so is, is there a particular group of people that you feel like you would want to serve them, that you would want to bless them? So that, that could be people group. Or is it more geographically located? I, I've said this before, and some of you know this, that God has put the Centennial Lakes Park spot on my heart and that and God just isn't leaving that so that's one of the things where for me that would be a neighborhood that I feel like God is sending me and I don't know what that looks like yet where is it for you or who is it for you and if it's just my family that's a people group and that's worthwhile Okay, and then this this next one, this one may push a little bit. List areas in your life that may need to change for you to be able to say, here am I, send me, just like Isaiah did. So make make a list of some, some things that you say, you know what, I would go, but I'd really love to go, but I've got debt. I would love to go, but I don't want to. Um <laughs> So what's the first step to take? When we start next week, I'll start to see what you guys did. If you want to engage online, I'll also post the questions there on Facebook. One of the things that I'm, I'm really not interested in is just having this be an academic conversation. I think the academic conversation is great, and if you want to talk more about God's nature as ascending God, I've, I've got stuff. And I've even got four books there on, on the table all about the missional church. If you want to dig in and, and read one of those, those all belong to me, not to the library. So if you want to borrow one, feel free. Um, I, I could have the academic conversation. But if this conversation doesn't produce a different church, if this conversation doesn't produce different activities in us, I'm going to be at a loss because I need it to. I'm not content with the church that we have now. I love what we're doing. Don't get me wrong. But if this is all we ever do, it's not the church that God has called me to pastor. 
And one of the problems is I don't know exactly what that looks like. Part of the reason I don't know exactly what the table looks like is because I don't know who your people group is. I don't know how to best train you and equip you to reach the people that God is asking you to to reach. And that's what God has called me to do. And so it's crazy complex, but I'm excited to be messy with you and figure out what does it look like for you to love and bless and to recognize that you are sent by the sending God into this world to share hope and good news. Jeannie. I just want to encourage people to that. Well, let me start by saying, like, the idea of a missionary has really changed in my mind over the years of my life. So originally, like, I did feel called to be a missionary. Um, but then the idea of what a missionary looks like changes. So in one aspect, like, I have done missions where I have gone to um, third world countries and served there. But in other aspects, I've been to Europe, where it's 2% of or less of the population are unchurched people. And how you serve and how you do missions there is you make relationships. And then after the relationship is established, you, you share the word of God with them as, as, as they kind of bring the, uh, the relational part forward. And I feel like here in America, like we're kind of like, a mixture of the both and so like it could look very differently like being a missionary here might start off with just serving a meal to somebody or um, giving money to the poor to to the guy that you see on the side of the road you know that's panhandling for money or you know so I mean I and I want to encourage you guys in saying that because like it takes a lot of the pressure off as when you're asking these questions to ask the Holy Spirit how do you want me to be a missionary? Like, it doesn't have to be, this is Jesus. You know, it could be, hey, come to the church and then have Greg talk about Jesus. Or, you know, I don't know. I just, anyway. It's <laughs> good. Any other questions? Thoughts? Stirrings? Chris. After she was just sharing that, I was just thinking of my neighbor next door has been caring for her mother who's in hospice. She's 100. She just called me and said, would you be able to mow my lawn while I'm gone? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. So I'm mowing it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'd rather be doing something else. But then God just kept talking to me and saying, think about what she's going through. She's caring every day for her 100-year-old mother. You know, she... What, it, what she's going through every day, and you're just mowing her lawn. Can you just help her? And I'm like, yes, I will. <laughs> and so I'm like, it, it is it's so amazing how we can just be missionaries just to our neighbors next door. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just made me think of a group of people, <laughs> my next door neighbors. Yeah. You know. Yep. And that's what I ended up doing. That's what God, how God redirected me. And I'm like, okay, I'll behave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sean? My, my oldest and all started uh, 
baseball a couple weeks ago. And one thing that I think kind of strikes me because there was a little bit of change, I guess, in my perception. Um, he's got a teammate that is Probably the easiest way I could put it is very driven. Um, very competitive, doesn't like to strike out, doesn't, I mean, anything that, anything that could go wrong, you know about it. And the first handful of weeks, it just, it so bothered me. It's like, why isn't anybody saying anything? It's like, it's just embarrassing. And yesterday, it was weird. I was standing by the dugout. And the kid came in and he hit just this screaming liner to second base. And he's like, all oh, right, he's barreling down first baseline, right smack in the glove. Like, oh no. And sure enough, the meltdown began. I'm like, oh no. So that game, when it happened, they were transitioning to another field. And I saw him and I actually went up to him and I'm just like, Charlie, I'm like, that was an amazing hit. I'm like, you couldn't have hit it any harder. I'm like, it went right in the glove and said, happens to all of us. And it's just like, good job, kid. And just seeing him come in and that competitive nature and stuff, it was like, I just had this whole change in perspective in like one game where it's like, rather than rail on the kid, it's like, what can I do as a parent to like encourage him? It's just like it's gonna happen. And I kinda saw it today a little bit in Noah where he was being really competitive in something that we were doing together and it was just kinda that reminder, it's like it's a game. It's like you're not always gonna make the play or whatever. It's just like just like no. So it just I don't know. I think about something like that where it's just you know, then just changing your own thoughts and mind frame. That's that's where it starts. And if you notice in the Isaiah six passage, that's where it started with Isaiah two. He recognizes that there's something wrong with him. In the midst of a people that has something wrong with all of us. <laughs> Say, Okay okay, God, I need help. Woe is me. We don't go around crying, Whoa! We, we don't. Woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm done. I'm finished. I, I, I can't do this. And God says, I can take care of that. And whether it's with a, a young boy playing baseball, your, your neighbor who's caring for a 100-year-old mom, co-workers, if you want to see them with God's eyes, just ask. Ask God, and God will change your perspective. And then all of a sudden, the person who you needed to fix, you start to understand, oh, this is why they do this. And you also recognize that God loves them exactly as they are. Exactly. He also loves them too much to let them stay there. But that behavioral change will come later. That'll come when God talks to them and they recognize, wow, I've got stuff with me and God, will you take care of that? And God says, I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this series is not just about the missionary nature of God, it's how do we then respond. So hopefully it'll be head, heart, 
hands and feet as well. Pray with me. Thank you, God, that you are ascending God. Thank you, God, that you sent Abram. Thank you, God, that you sent your son, that together you, Father, and the Son sent us the Holy Spirit. And then you sent us. I ask, God, that you would give us a glimpse this week of who you are sending us to, what people group, which neighbors, and also the where, the which neighborhood, what part of our city, or God, is it someplace else? Is there this place that we have been dreaming of since we were a little girl or a little boy and say, oh, God, there's always been a special place in my heart for this place. Give us glimpses of who you are, of who we are in response, and then your love for the people around us so that we can respond like Isaiah. Woe is me. But then at the end saying, here am I. Send me. Amen.